0: Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie.
1: Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on WebtalkRadio.net. Thanks so much for joining me this week. My motivational quote today is by Napoleon Hill, and I'm sure everybody knows who he is. And the quote says: Every adversity, every failure every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. When you hit a brick wall in your career and money just stops flowing altogether, what do you do? And, you know, are, there, are, are the answers obvious and the shift towards a new direction, does that become seamless for you? Uh, of course not. If anything, it's usually the complete opposite. Yet, so many people seem to shift their focus, change their careers, and survive, while others of us seem to get stuck and not able to move forward. So what's their secret? Is there a secret that we can all learn and maybe use? My guest today is Joe Clifford, and Joe's going to tell us his story and take some of the mystery out of how to move forward. Take the leap of faith and see your new, amazing life unfold before you, just like magic. Joe holds a BS in applied science, health science, a diploma in physical therapy, higher certification in strength and conditioning, CSCS designation, uh, founded the Cutman Second Association and Medicine Man, and designer and lecturer of the Cutman course, which has had resounding international success. Joe presently works with the USC as a cutman as an, and is an elite amateur in professional boxing nationally and internationally as a cutman and coach. So welcome, uh, Joe, and thank you for being a guest.
2: Uh, thanks, Connie. I really appreciate you asking me on the show.
1: It's my pleasure. I just want to tell everybody, um, Joe is actually in Ireland, <laughs> and I'm here in the U.S. Yeah. So yes, our connection uh-huh. isn't as pristine as usually, uh, you know, my guests in, in the U.S. So everybody just kind of bear with a little bit of background noise, but I, it'll come and go. I think just due to the connection. So we are going across the, the little pond over here between us and and the UK. <laughs> huh. All right, Joe, so everybody enjoy his accent, by the way. All right, so Joe, let's jump in. Tell everybody a little bit about how you actually did get started in this whole kind of boxing arena area.
2: Okay. Um, When I was younger, my father basically brought me kicking and screaming up to a boxing gym when I was about 14 years of age. Now, in boxing terms, that's pretty late, but um, I remember when I up there we were um I was fascinated from the time I walked through the doors at the intensity in which these guys trained i've been involved in competitive soccer uh, and other sports but uh this is very much individual it was very much um you know high tempo kind of sport and there was nobody that you could really depend on to carry you through three three minute rounds other than yourself so the Intensity of it got me so, um, since those early days, I've been well, let's just say, I've been addicted to the sport of boxing and addicted to combat sports. So, um, that's how basically I started with my father.
1: Thanks, Dad. Right <laughs> now, I, okay. I know, I yeah. I think- yeah. Is it, you know you look back now at that was a the defining moment for you right as a teenage kid um, where you don't really know anything you know I mean you do but you really don't and here your dad kind of thought mm, let me get him into something did he pick that because you were uh, mischievous or because just the times um, you know what was the background to him needing to get you into some kind of uh, of a controlled environment like that.
2: Uh, good question, really, because um, when I when I look back, I mean, at the time, it was around about 80, 84. It was the eighties, uh, late 70s, early 80s. And basically what had happened was Dublin, where I lived, my neighborhood was okay, but it fringed on other areas that weren't too good. And at the time, heroin had hit the city really bad, the city of Dublin really bad, and I had a really bad addiction problem. So my father in his wisdom seeing that I needed a little bit more than something um, he needed something to fill my recreational time and he wanted me to be around you know um, a a sport that could represent that so like I said practically kicking and screaming he dragged me up to the boxing club and left me at the doors and so I owe him a lot it's un- unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah. What a, what, a yeah. Great, um, what a great what a ba- great background story. Now, your backgrounds or your degrees are actually in physical therapy, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So, tell tell everybody how you know because you really did take a huge leap of faith um, to faith to get into that whole cutman scene. So, tell everybody how you actually had a physical therapy practice that was doing okay.
2: Yeah, um, I was in physical therapy at the time, i just graduated, and I, I, I was still involved in boxing, and um, one of the main things in my life were obviously filling my social time with stuff I loved doing, and boxing was one of those things, so I was too old to box, I got into coaching, and my gym at the time, uh, Crumland Boxing Club turned professional, and so, uh, uh, amateur and professional, so they were looking for a cup, man, and because I... I was doing physical therapy. They thought that was kind of forced aid. So they said to me, would you be interested in walking corners? And I said, yeah, why not? I said, I'd love to. So that's how I really crossed over into the It was from the head coach in the gym.
1: Now I just want everybody to know what a cutman is. When Joe and I started corresponding via email, um, you know he sent me his bio with this cutman. So and I saw the UFC. So I went to my 17 year old and I said, James, what's a cutman? And he explained <laughs> that a cutman is the guy who's in the corner when the dudes who are boxing or fighting or whatever get injured. Joe is the guy who is actually in the corner that will put the butterfly on when their eyes are ripped open and stuff like that. So he almost does the triage, uh, surgery so that the, the boxers or the fighters can get back into the ring and function, you know, without losing an eye, et cetera. Now, you had, when you, when you started your physical therapy company, um, your practice, you were doing well. And then there was an economic crisis. So is that when, yeah. Is that when the the head coach uh, approached you or the owner of the boxing ring approached you to be a cutman?
2: No, uh, well, yeah, it was more than a coincidence, actually, around about that time. I mean, economically, we weren't doing too well. Um, we'd just been on the other side of the Celtic Tiger, and the bubble burst basically... So I was on, my practice was pretty well functioning, it was self-supporting, but it didn't really bring me a whole lot of joy and happiness, I have to say. And uh, at the time, the offer to to cross over into Cupman had become, um, you know, yeah, I was spending more time in the ring and doing Cupman stuff than I was um, uh, as a physical therapist, basically. So the crossover, the timing was, was just perfect. It was just uh, it was just perfect, but it was very uh, to be honest with you, you know for anybody out there thinking that you know becoming a man is an easy thing, it's not i mean professionals even top ranking professionals they'd walk between forty and forty five uh, weekends a year um so to get that type of work and that amount of work, you have to be you know you you need a good resume um so it's something really for most guys and girls that would only supplement your income. So crossing over and making it a full-time living was was questionable, I can tell you the least. So I really had to rely on my gut uh, with that one because my heart kept on pulling me back to it all the time.
1: You said so many, so many brilliant things. I just want to recap to make sure everybody, you know, kind of didn't miss it. You said that the, as the economy started shifting and you were making a good living and it was pretty stable, you know, as a physical therapist, and then the economy started to shift. So the cutman, you were doing part-time to supplement, but you didn't. And I just want, want everybody to understand some words that Joe used. He said that it was almost a coincidence that the cutman kind of entered your life when there was a little bit of an economic shift. And we know, Joe, right? We don't believe, you and I have talked about this, we don't believe in coincidences. Everything happens for a reason. The other thing that you Uh, said uh, that is just brilliant is that you, you had this steady income, money, right? You could pay the bills, but there was no joy and happiness with the physical therapy. And your gut kept pushing you more and more and more into the Gutman, the the Cutman role. So again, that joy and happiness, it was missing. And the shift was a big risk for you because most people did it part-time and not full-time. So, you know, Joe said he listened to his gut. And I really believe that our gut never, ever fails us and it serves us well. We just have to have the ability or the mindfulness to just shut down and listen to what we know inside. And I think you did that just brilliantly. Um, now, I have to ask, you're you're both uh, national and you're really global, and just to give some background here, Joe actually just got back from the Olympics, so he was even in mm-hmm. that venue, so um, what a cool experience. His resume just keeps going on and on um, with this Cutman. So what is your vision now for the future um, with your Cutman role, because you've left physical therapy behind and you have, you know, jumped to the Cutman arena. What's you, What's your vision?
2: Thanks <laughs> well since the last time I spoke to you there have been a number of things that have happened I mean I think I'll focus more on uh, purely the educational role of cut men because at the moment the cut man is probably one of those professions that anybody can call themselves a cut man. so basically if you think of it this way it's like being uh, somebody calling themselves a mechanic but having no education whatsoever and so you drop your car off to this guy and expect it to be fixed but they don't have an education and it's the same for cut men so cut men at the moment there's no regulation on coatman. Basically, anybody can call themselves a coatman and set themselves up as coatman, and they're dealing with minor injuries lacerations, sometimes severe, hematomas, and then basically epitaxis, which is not nosebleeds. So, uh, uh, and a lot of the stuff that those guys use are, are archaic, to say the least, uh, in terms of cooling irons and various others. So, what I generally try to teach people, um, the Cutman the course itself, it's all about hygiene, cross-contamination, sanitation, using um, non-prescribed um, he- hemostatic agents. Now, hemostatic agents, are those things that stop bleeding, um, whether it's a bandage or stuff like that. So my my whole deal is that we're not breaking uh, international medicine laws by using dangerous drugs, potentially PEDs like adrenaline one is one one is to one thousand. That's what Cutman typically uses. Um, all the stuff that I teach is evidence based. So I've used my clinical um, background and research to formulate and put together a course which is all evidence based rather than opinion it like most cult men. Um and basically just go out there and educate and spread the message. That's that's where the future is for me. So at the moment we're trying to put put together a movie an educational um uh, movie that's that's pieced together over um eight modules in total. So
1: that's, that's what we're doing awesome. at present. I, I think that's awesome. Yeah. You know, again, <laughs> you mentioned that you used your physical therapy background, that clinical background, to help you from the sanitary standpoint. Um, just share with it. we have about two minutes before a break, but share with everyone how horrified you were the first time that you um, went at, in as a cut man to try to help and what the... the um, I guess the unsanitariness of it that you were horrified. Just share with everybody that story because it was hysterical.
2: Okay. Uh, the first time that I ever walked into a dressing room on boxing, I remember seeing a guy there, a journeyman. A journeyman are those guys that are set up to lose. They don't, they're not set up, sorry, wrong word. They, they turn up to lose. So in other words, they get paid, but they turn up to lose. So in other words, they're guys that are put on bills to facilitate up-and-coming fighters. When I walked into the dressing room, this guy, he had a laceration uh, cut across his nose, and basically he was bleeding, and he was on his own. Uh, typical of journeymen, they turn up to lose, so therefore, they, to maximize their earnings, they don't bring coaching staff and stuff like that. So, Ugh. basically, they are on their own. So, when I seen that picture, I thought, that was wrong. And the longer I sat at the side of a ring and seeing guys treating fighters with no gloves and uh, a very little sanitation, I just thought, like there's something has to be said here. Something has to be done. So I couldn't take it back. See, I had to say something. I had to put together something. So. And um,
1: and I was going to say, tell them what you put together just quickly to be able to bring some, um, you know, sanitary but a healthier uh, option to these people who are bleeding out on the rink.
2: Yeah, well, basically what I did was I put together an eight modular course. And so what it is is the rules and regulations, the history of cut men, uh, 150-year history, the rules and regulations. And then what I did was I basically set the course up so that it's all evidence-based. So in other words, what does work and what doesn't work and the tools to use. Some of the tools we use are archaic, like I said, like the the cooling irons and stuff, big lumps of steel to mash down swelling on people's faces. And all it really does is exacerbates the world so all the stuff that I did was to actually educate people or if you'd like to call it harm reduction to give them something so that they could walk away and they could actually treat a fighter uh, for minor injuries um, instead of you know just hacking away at them with, with big stupid lumps of steel and stuff like that and and, um, you know, unsanitized and, you yeah, know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So that was yeah, because, the motivation for the cause.
1: Yeah, because th- these were exposed wounds. Think about staph infections and all the other things that we know about now. Yeah. And, you know, you're you're being so horrified is, I mean, I said it's funny, but it's not, it isn't funny, ha ha. It's just um, ironic how you walked in and thought, oh no, this this can't be, I can't allow this and you stood up yeah. and you made a difference and I think that is a Amazing um, that you felt that these young guys um, really could have done long-term damage, um, to, you know, to themselves by not being treated properly and using these archaic methods. Let's take a quick break, uh, Joe, and then when we come back. I, w- I want you to talk about how many members that you have working with you now. Um, you know, you started out as this one guy doing his thing, and now I know you have a team. So I want to talk about that when we come back.
0: It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried-and-true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732 888 1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game.
1: Okay, we are back and we are speaking with Joe Clifford, Cutman, uh, for the UFC. And actually he's more of an educator, I think, than than anything because of his physical therapy and clinical background. So now you started this program and by the way, so cool that you're doing a movie. I better get the the clip of this like to see it, uh, my friend over in Ireland, you know, I support you. How many members do you, do you have now um, nationally that are working for you and how many are really embracing the, this principle of going global?
2: Um, in Seoul, there are 16 in Ireland um, that work alongside of me. And then globally, I mean, I have access to a global market so I travel with a company called IMAF, the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation and what I do is I educate seconds seconds are cornermen seconds are cutmen, um on the role of men what is what is a cutman and what we are and aren't allowed to do so basically globally now we've set up a thing called the Cutman Second Association so basically what it is is for other people to adhere to a non-drug non-dangerous drug approach to treating um, athletes boxers or MSPs for fighters so basically it's it's nationally 16 and globally it's it's um you know far far more it's basically all the countries we have touched uh IMAP have um contact with 50 over 54 countries at the moment great. so that's great and, they- yeah, and I've, I've taught sorry I was just going to say I've taught courses everywhere from Azerbaijan to uh, Africa, central, central eastern Af, or western Africa, Cameroon, to um, right back home, home again. So I've been on on lots of continents.
1: So, you know, the need is clear that they're um, embracing you. When you do the training, you know, and, and I'm sure, like, in some of these countries, they're even more barbaric um, and archaic than what you saw even in Ireland in your own backyard. How do the the cut men and the and the corner uh, folks, how do they respond to you? They must be very appreciative, I think. But, you know, how do they respond to you?
2: Um well, it, it, it depends on the frame. One, you see, boxing is a dinosaur. Like, there are two different... Um trains of thought here like boxing's a dinosaur so basically with 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 something so so old, boxing has 150 years of history and with something that old you have organizations and associations that are pretty much set in their ways and change means something new sometimes it's fear orientated to change or to, to switch over Um. so sometimes it's met with hostility but generally To a large degree it's met with open arms because it's a breath of fresh air because a lot of guys and girls they have to go and ask other cut men can they educate them on basically what happens is they get a word of mouth rather than an evidence based um, education. So they end up formulating or forming bad habits, etc., etc., et cetera, and then they deliver that to the next guy or the next girl, and it just goes on and on and on. So generally with open arms, because healthcare practitioners look at the course and they go, at last. At last, there's some kind of formal training in place now that we can do for these guys and girls. So that doesn't, um, like I say infringe on international medicine laws. There's lots of no-nos that cut men do that they shouldn't. They're like, we dismiss a fighter after treating, and we haven't got a legal right to do that because the only person that can do something like that is a doctor. So um, there's... Yeah, so we've been doing that stuff for years, like, so and it's unfortunate there's a mentality out there why change it so um, uh, lots of changes need to be made the actual the, the actual Profession itself needs to be brought into a modern era, rather than than the dark ages. It needs to be brought from the dark ages into a modern era.
1: Yeah, and and you know, I'm telling you, it's it's definitely has not been an easy uh, trail for you. You know, um, it's funny, Joe, no. like you said, you said before, you know, everybody thinks, oh, Cutman, you travel all over the world, and you know, you're working most weekends like like crazy, where you don't stop. You know, um, I know that we were talking about scheduling the show and you said you know I'm going to be in Rio and I'm going to be at the Olympics and you know you had no downtime so you know everybody thinks oh what a glamorous life and you get to travel you know you, you said all the places all the continents you've been on um it's hard freaking work and then when you're up against um A pushback where people are like, oh, this is the way we do it. You know, you're fighting for really the health and well-being, um, of the fighters themselves. So it's really, um, not, not, yeah, and it's not an easy job for, to get people who are living in the dark ages to say, oh, wait a minute, you know, maybe there's a better way. The other thing that struck me is, you know, you have people who have been doing it wrong for years. And how many people have they taught? doing it incorrectly for years and it just keeps going on and on and then here you come the voice of reason. Um, it's brilliant. I, I, you know, you know, I think that, um, you know it's a a violent sport so these injuries can really be a long term detriment to the athletes and you know if there's a better way that's crazy that everybody's not listening so I'm glad that you're getting you're getting resistance but I'm glad you're getting most people that are actually listening to your wisdom because it's fact based not just well it's the way we've always done it kind of mentality right
2: yeah absolutely Absolutely. I mean, you co- I couldn't have said it better. I mean, the resistance generally comes from those that don't want change. Sure. And those who greet it with open arms are the ones that want the education. In terms of, like, you know, if you are a full-time cut man and you are working, again, for a lot of cut men, they only supplement their income. But if you are full-time and you, aren't, you are on the global circuit... It means like I was in the uh, at the Olympics for three weeks. It means walking away from your family for three weeks yeah. you 're on the road so much your relationships may in, in other parts of your life may become strained, so you need a really understanding partner to um, to facilitate what you 're doing. Um, I suppose over the years, it's been um, a, a real hard slog. But, you know, the funny thing is, on the other side of it, when I've got people who apply to do the course, we have three grades with the course, C, B and A. And when they apply to do the course and I give them the locations of where the courses are, the ones that I eliminate first are the ones that generally tell me, oh, that's too far away. Now, it could be in their own. Oh, that's too far away. I couldn't really travel for that. And right there and then what you're doing is you're saying to me you're not prepared to travel. And so the cut man's job is travel. That's all sure. you do is travel. I'm away. It's... Saturday, I have to travel 100 kilometers, and Sunday, I'm traveling 250 kilometers, two separate destinations, so I'm on the road again this weekend. And as you say, I, I haven't had a break from the Olympics. I only got back yesterday after 40, 41 hours of travel. Rio was chaotic when we were leaving. Um, they couldn't handle the air, so I don't get a chance to have jet lag. I just have to get on with it. I just Sometimes <laughs> I'm supported by um, various... Um, sometimes the only thing holding me up is espresso. <laughs>
1: Let's
2: put it that way.
1: You, cra- you so, do crack yeah. me up, and Joe, I have to tell you, I would never have known that you had traveled 41 hours. You are just a beacon of light and such wonderful energy. Every time I speak oh. with you, you're an absolute delight. So, uh, you know, I I appreciate you, my friends. I really do, and I I think that your desire and the joy which everybody's like is this guy out of his mind you know that he's doing all this traveling and stuff but think about all the amazing things um before we started taping everyone just as an fyi joe said to me have you ever been to rio i said no i have not and he said put it on your bucket list it's a have to see right it's just a beautiful um it it was out of a movie right you said you felt like you were in a james bond movie Uh, um right beautiful yeah yeah. So, you we know, all, of, city. Yeah. So all these things that you really do get to enjoy and see is such a wonderful byproduct of the grueling schedule, um, that you, you make. But now I have to tell you, leaving physical therapy, doing the cutman, traveling as you do, creating this education where you see light bulbs, you know, people's, uh, people buying in and going, yeah, man, I need this. This is great. Um, does that keep you going and does that provide the joy and happiness that makes you want to keep doing it?
2: Well, what keeps me going is that if we can actually make people more attentive to that walk corner, so that if somebody is experiencing uh, some form of um, injury, whether that be um, you know, a laceration or a hematoma, they have the education to treat it. Equally, part of what I do is teach people about concussion. Um, I bring paramedics in to talk about traumatic brain injury and various other... They all lecture on the course. And so basically, they have a greater education on gait disturbance. In other words, when people start to wobble without being hit or they just look tired. So that people pick up on warning signs that there may be something more insidious other than just... You know, um, you know, a a fighter being fatigued. So what, what the, what I'm. A motivated boy is the fighter and to bring the fighter the best service possible in terms of fighter safety. Now a lot of cut say fighter safety but their version of that is one more round regardless. So they would rather be in the camera promoting themselves unfortunately there's a whole generation of those guys and girls knocking around rather than really taking care of business which is putting the fighter first. The cut has has and never should be bigger than the fighter and that's the way it should be. So my my motivation is to educate people so they can minimise the risks to fighters. That fighters have a better chance of going home in the evening. Because in my short time as a copman, 15 years, I've experienced one fatality and one severe injury, where uh, where a fighter was, you um, know, uh, wheelchair bound. So I. I, I can't, my motivation is to, to, to just keep on saying it out loud, regardless of the resistance I meet, I just need to keep on saying it out loud until somebody pays attention, yeah. and so far it's it's grasped, um, all people have grasped it with both hands.
1: And I have to tell you, I feel like you're a warrior and an advocate and I think some of these athletes are young so they don't know any better. Yeah. And, and and I, yeah, I would impressive. think you know, their parents probably don't know any better. So you're trusting the judgment of the coaches and the cutmen that they've been exposed to in their local gyms. So here you come along where you're trying to educate that whole industry, um, which has been around for hundred and fifty years and now with the UFC, I know that's a little bit of a newer um, environment, but it's, it's still violent where the concussions and all these things are dangerous to these, these young athletes. So you know kudos to you for being a warrior out there and an advocate um, for people who don't know any better. And ignorance is not an excuse, especially when it comes to physical health. Right, what the um, the well-being of these young of these young folks, these young athletes. So, um, kudos. I I think it's wonderful. Um, I, you're out of time, Joe. So I know I know you and I say this all the time. It goes so fast. I do want to give your information. Anybody that. Is seeking, uh, I hope, first of all, I hope that Joe's story inspired you and that his passion, um, even though it hasn't been an easy path, that he is determined and passionate, um, about making a change and creating now this video, this, this movie and these modules, um, you know you're relentless and i say that's just wonderful and I'm, I'm so proud that i know you um change has been around oh, thank you My, really really you inspire me joy every time i talk to you um you know, change, you could hear from his story and just the path he's on, change is, is around him all the time, and he you're relentless, you won't give in. So, uh, you know, the show, Architect of Change, you, tr- you are truly the architect of change, uh, especially in your industry, but I hope anyone listening that struggling with your business or struggling in your life, that there's always a better way and there's just keep moving forward, that Mm -hmm. that the the opportunities will come to you as long as you remain passionate and diligent and relentless, um, that you know that there's a better way. So just keep moving forward like Joe does. I think that's inspiring in itself. If you'd like more information or to uh, be more inspired by Joe, go to his website. It's www.cutman.ie, because remember, he's in um, Ireland. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, especially especially after traveling through the... Yeah, the forty-one hours. I, I I thank you, thank you, thank you for being on, um, guys. If you need me, you know how to reach me. Email me at connie at whitmanassociates dot com, and you know I will always respond to your emails personally. Um, also, uh, Joe's uh, e- not email. Joe's website, the www.cutman.ie dot cutman dot I will put on the web talk radio. Um, Platform, so you guys can click and go right to it and uh, find Joe and, and follow him. Joe, you're on Facebook and LinkedIn and all that stuff too, right?
2: So yes, I have a Facebook account. It's um, my my name's like Joseph Clifford, or there is a page I've set up called Cutman C U T M A N. Twitter at Irish Cutman. That's Irish Cutman. And, uh, G- <laughs> Yeah, why not? I love That's it. Descriptive.
1: Yes, it is. You are the yeah. Irish cutman. That's how I describe you, my friend, the Irish cutman. You brought <laughs> yeah. me Day up. 100%. Thank you again.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Really, awesome. Thank
1: you again for um, being on, and I know that you have to be beyond exhausted, so um, I, I just want to thank you. Um, thank you all for joining us and joining me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that change is possible and easier than we often think. You, you know, listen to Joe's story, and that is, um, that's the truth. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful and inspired week, everyone.
0: You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. but I can't.